Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And we are here with the first part of the season six finale of Will and Grace. Finale! Part one! Uh, So, for those of you who are jumping in on this episode, what are you doing? Stop. Go back. But if you didn't, stop and go back right now. Uh, We are doing this year's finale as two separate episodes of Not a Couple. Because they were two separate episodes of Will and Grace. Yeah, that's kind of our long-standing policy. And I think in this episode, it, it kind of fits. Um, this episode feels unfinished to us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. However, I think it works to talk about this first half as a cliffhanger. Specifically because I suspect that the second half will resolve it in some way. And maybe it still have a cliffhanger for next season. But like, I feel like there's going to be a concrete shift between the episodes. And as you all know, we are trying not to do too many spoilers, so I'm not going to tell Matthew whether or not he's right. Yeah, we have actually, uh, we were very tempted, but we did not watch these episodes back to back. Nope. Um, So we have watched the first half, we are recording this, and we are probably immediately after going to watch the next one. So like, by the time this episode is released, like, ooh, we'll already know the answers. It's like we're time traveling. Spoopy time travel. (laughs) All right, Matthew, why don't you tell us about this first half of the episode? All right. So, this episode is titled, I Do. And, well, it's actually, on Hulu's titled, I Do Part One. No. Which is a whole thing. Because the second half is called, Oh No, You Bet I Didn't, or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's that's how RuPaul would title the episode. (laughs) It's just, Oh No, You Didn't. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. RuPaul makes it even more colorful. (laughs) Because we're being vaguely racist in our caricatures. I I believe that NBC's official titling of this pair of episodes is i do oh no you didn't but i like the separation so we're gonna stick with it on this podcast nbc suck it say i do all right here's the episode description karen moves her wedding to las vegas where jennifer lopez agrees to sing at the ceremony that's it that's the whole description and that's really the whole episode honestly i'd kind of forgotten about the jennifer lopez plot until literally you read that description yeah that feels like it must be a setup for next week because jennifer lopez is in like literally one scene where like she thinks karen is a bathroom attendant which and is then... kind of funny because she's like you see a white lady in the bathroom you think you're gonna get some chicklets <laughs> which is fair um and then asked about rosario getting her like, master's degree because they were friends they were friends from back home which is confusing and doesn't make sense because we all know that rosario is not originally from the United States, and the implication here seems to be that she grew up with JLo, who is in fact a native born okay, US I think, citizen. If I remember this right, I think there's a tiny bubble in Rosario's backstory where she lives in America and is has everything going for her, and then she meets Karen. Karen kind of presents it as I went to Honduras and got Rosario, but I think there is a tiny, tiny window where Rosario is a fully actualized human being who has not made the greatest mistake of her entire life. You know, honestly, I just I sometimes like wonder if Rosario is even like a real character or if she's just like hallucinated collectively by the group. And there this, is a funeral though. This episode didn't really confirm or deny that because JLo might not be there either. I kind of have like a headcanon about Rosario that like Rosario isn't actually like a maid. Rosario is just pretending to be a maid so that she can live in Karen's mansion. But like Rosario is just making the cleaning staff do all the work. Oh yeah, completely. I 100% believe that Rosario actually has a very lucrative business mm-hmm. where she like has her master's degree and is like a clinical social worker yep. or something. She's like a therapist. Um, but she, you know, 
various different hardships. Like, she didn't have uh, a green card, so she had to marry mm-hmm. Jack for a little while. Yeah. And she lives with Karen so that she can kind of hide behind her wealth when she does mm-hmm. other illegal activities. But I think that made we see in season nine, at the very beginning, when they are deciding not to introduce Rosario, like... She's been the maid who's been there the whole time. Yeah. And we're, we're finally pulling back the curtain and revealing the actual head maid of Karen's household. Who is an Irish woman. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Moving on. Um, so this week's episode, I think we want to open by just talking about Karen. Like, we just, we need to talk about Karen. Yeah, we do. Okay, so first and foremost, Karen in the last few episodes has been a problematic fave, I will say. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, and we kind of attributed it to a couple of different things. Um, her character has just really shifted in... Um, I'm trying to think of how to say it. Like, a character has certain actionable goals. Like, if you're thinking about it from a, a narrative perspective. And Karen's goals have shifted very fundamentally this season. She is now seeking and has attained romantic love, which she has apparently never had before. Mm-hmm. Um, she is no longer tethered to Grace... In the same way, because Grace has been very absent this season. Yes. Um, she has a whole different cast of characters that really only she interacts with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a result of that, partially, her character is shifted in a much harder direction. Yeah. And frankly, a lot of it just doesn't really work. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, we found that she's, she's really struggling to, like, find her footing when she doesn't have Grace as an easy target to make fun of. Mm-hmm. So then she's comes down like a lot harder sometimes on her other friends but then also simultaneously comes down a little softer on them it's like she can't find her footing she Mm -hmm. can't figure out what is like an appropriate like neg for her friendships i think that's a great way to phrase it because it seems like the show has really like latched on to like what is an appropriate neg for karen to use against grace like it's rarely her jewish identity although it is sometimes sometimes but rarely but rarely it's normally her fashion sense her fashion sense her tendency to fall for gay men Suggestion that she's a lesbian. Yeah. Um, whereas I think the show hasn't really contextualized Negs very well with Jack and Will. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, Karen doesn't normally neg Jack at all, other mm-hmm. than the occasional implication that he's an idiot. Right. But she's been, when she brings that up lately, has been coming down a lot harder. Like, there is that entire scene we saw last week in Jack's nursing school graduation where Jack decides not to be a nurse, and she's like, well, you know, when you fall flat on your face, at least you have a diploma. Right. That's a lot harsher than Kara normally is. Well, and other things, too. Like, she's been throwing the F word around a lot to describe Jack and Will, which is just, like, a whole tier higher than anything she has ever said to Grace. So, let's take a step back. If you're new to Not a Couple, which, why is this the episode you picked? I have so many questions. I don't know, but our interpretation is that clearly... This is the episode where a bunch of people are going to jump on. Mm-hmm. Maybe because Megan Mullally is finally fed up with us. And yeah, she's, she's like, going to come for us this she's time. She's going to bring a Twitter mob down to our doorstep. Oh, please let us get into a Twitter war with Megan Mullally. That would be so fun. I mean, we'd be dead. We would absolutely lose the war. Would we? Yes. Yes, we would. She's not actually Karen. She's not actually that mean. She's married to Nick Offerman. She's a nice lady. They sing a beautiful song about Cass Beckett murder. Yes, but... It would actually be worth it to be murdered by her because she would probably sing the song to us. Now, now, and we would now, finally now, remember now, what now, the now, words are. to murder. Okay, yes. So, um, the F word, which we are referring to here, is not fuck, which we say regularly very and frequently, with gusto. Um, it is the other word, the word that's used very frequently to describe gay men. It is a derogatory term. We don't like to use it here. The word that dare not speak its name. Yes, so instead we typically use... Frenchman. Mm-hmm. And so Karen has been calling Jack and Will Frenchman a lot lately. And it's just unusual. It's kind 
of jarring. Like, she also throws around queers a lot, which, like, I'm normally very comfortable with the word queer, but the way she's using it doesn't make me feel comfortable. It feels pointed. Here's the thing. We have probably let Karen get away with this a fair amount because it is sort of within Karen's characterization. But Karen is coming at the two guys, who are her only sounding boards here, especially hard this week. I mean, at one point, Karen is even like, I don't even remember what she's talking about, but she's like, we can't have that because if that happens, I will have to reveal that I'm against gay marriage. And like, even like, Will and Jack are like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? What was it? Is it light beer? Yeah, I think it is. I I don't remember what it is. They're like arguing about the catering menu or something. Oh, no, no, no. They're talking about the Vegas wedding because they decided to elope because if she had a big giant wedding in New York, then the gays would get jealous and then she'd have to come out as against gay marriage. Right. Which, while it does tie a little bit more nicely into Karen as a Trump supporter in seasons 9 and 10, it doesn't really work for this Karen. This Karen has never once voiced any kind of opinion on gay marriage, and so it feels weird to suddenly give her one. Yes. It is a very unusual throwaway line. Yeah. For, I mean, I mean it, it is clearly the sort of throwaway line upon which a characterization for Karen in the revival has been built. Although I will note that it is very clear that after season nine, they backed off that characterization. Very much so. Very rapidly. Very quickly. Like a um, hard stop. Yeah. I probably mean, just, because Trump got more and more Nazi-like and less and less funny. Well, and probably because it just doesn't work. Like It, it doesn't it, work. Having Karen be a racist, sexist, homophobic classist, bullshit person doesn't work if you play it seriously. Well, and I think here's where Will and Grace usually manages to toe the line. Having Karen be friends with terrible people and occasionally make terrible people choices out of ignorance of how regular people act can be funny. Yes. But it's the intentionality. Oh, yeah. I think that definitely this show has backed off her being a Trump supporter in seasons 9 and 10 because the intention of Trump supporters has become so very apparently aligned with Nazism Mm -hmm. that that's not funny. Like, it's... Human rights abuses aren't hilarious. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... I I think it's Cameron Esposito who talks about how, like, you can tell a rape joke. Is that the comedian who has that bit? She has many bits on rape jokes. I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about. Oh, what I'm saying is that I think there's a way that you can have the words I don't support gay marriage come out of Karen's mouth. But I think it has to be a punch-up joke, not a punch-down yes. joke. I think you're actually thinking of something I said in referring to Cameron Esposito's special rape jokes, which mm-hmm. was that you can tell a rape joke as long as the the joke isn't on behalf of the victim. Right. You have to punch up. It has to be a joke about the perpetrator. Right. And I think it it is... I don't want to say it is. It could be funny for Karen, who is a conservative rich person, to be against gay marriage. Uh-huh. But she has to be against gay marriage for a stupid reason that makes Karen the joke. Right. And here, there is nothing about this that makes Karen the joke. Mm-hmm. The joke is, ha ha ha, gay marriage isn't legal. Right. Because it's 2004. And that's not funny. That's just sad. Right. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, in addition to this, we just have her dropping the F-bomb just back and forth. She's mm-hmm. Frenchman, Frenchman. She did it last week, too. It's very strange, and it, it again, it doesn't feel like Karen is making that joke for the purposes of punching up. Right. It's very much so like someone's having a bad i like a bad gay identity day in the writers' room when they just <laughs> funneled all their information through Karen. Like it, it feels bad it, as a queer person watching this, mm-hmm. even though it's 2019, it still feels bad, mm-hmm. and I don't, 
It's like, okay, remember that episode of The Other Two that we saw? Mm-hmm. And so The Other Two is a show on Comedy Central, and it features two siblings who have a younger sibling get really famous. He's like right. a viral so pop star. So you may remember that we referred to on this podcast Difficult People as being like modern day Dark Will and Grace. The Other Two is like increasingly more modern day, increasingly darker Difficult People. Yes. And so in this, there's a, one episode where the the youngest brother, who is um, a viral pop sensation on YouTube... Released, of the Justin Bieber variety. ...releases a song called My Brother's Gay and That's Okay. And then his brother, who is a struggling actor, becomes famous suddenly because he is gay and everyone knows him. Right. And so then he is hired by an agent who wants to basically take hold of the zeitgeistiest moment, this zeitgeisty moment, whatever. Not, not important. The point, point is she's taking advantage of the moment. And the first thing she does is start dropping the F-bomb. Yeah. And it's super uncomfortable because it's it's this thing that I think a lot of straight girls think sometimes that they're part of the joke, that, like, they can use this word because we're all friends here. But it's it's a little bit like using the, the N-word. You can't. It's not, but, like, in the moment, it's very much like you can see the character go, oh, my God. Can, do people still think they can do that? Right, exactly. It's like it's like how it's like being a white person and another white person says the N-word and you're just sitting there being like, Are you fucking kidding me? Did yeah. you actually just say that? And again, not to the same magnitude. Not the same magnitude. There's a lot less like history and racism mm-hmm. involved. But like to the same amount of like cognitive dissonance that yes. happens where like something that was once seen as a more culturally accepted thing to say mm-hmm. and now is seen as a very taboo thing to say yes. to be kind of in a moment where someone thinks that they're part of the in-group that can still use that word and they're clearly not. That's how this felt. Yeah. Where Karen can't. Yeah. I think um, let's, let's take a, a sidestep away from this issue and kind of talk about the only way in which I will accept this characterization of Karen, which I 100% do not think the show is going with. So the actual plot of this episode is they go to Vegas to get married, and all of these little weird things happen that make Karen really anxious about her upcoming nuptials. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of start... You kind of start not feeling sorry for Karen. It's kind of things like, oh, well, she has to compromise and have light beer at her wedding. She doesn't want to have light she beer. She doesn't want to have light beer. She thinks light beer is tacky. Right. But, like... Sometimes in marriage, you make compromises. Jack gives a piece of valid advice there. Mm-hmm. But what what kind of happens over the course of the episode is that Lyle keeps demanding all these other things or assuming all these other things. And Karen is like, oh, well, I guess I'll do that, too. Oh, I guess I'll do that, too. Yeah. So another thing that happens is he assumes that Karen will take his name. Which is definitely something you want to talk about before the wedding. Yeah. And so Karen says she doesn't want to take his name because Karen Walker is her name. And then there's a joke made that this is her fourth marriage. So actually, her legal name initially was Karen Delaney. And she's changed it several times. Poor Karen Delaney Walker Finster. (laughs) Yes. And so there's that. Then there's another moment. Um, where things kind of really come to a head, where Karen is about to walk down the aisle, and Jack's about to walk her down the aisle, and she Mm -hmm. says that she always dreamed that her fourth wedding, she would walk down the aisle to sympathy for the devil. Obviously, that doesn't happen, because the Rolling Stones would never greenlight that, and NBC would not have that much money. But that Finster wanted her to walk down the aisle to Here Comes the Bride, but that she didn't budge on that one, that that one was important. And then she goes, they open the door, and Here Comes the Bride plays. And it's not the Rolling Stones, because obviously they would never agree to that. Of course. But... Still, it's it's this idea that Karen is now literally walking down the aisle to a man that she has basically compromised a lot of herself for. And believe me, Karen is normally very willing to compromise herself, but even she is very angry about this. Yes. And I think, 
I want to forgive Will and Grace their characterization of Karen because I want it to be part of this narrative where, like, she's realizing that she's making a terrible mistake and is compromising herself for Lyle. But there's not any... There's not any narrative cohesion there. Mm-mm. I think that's a... I'm trying to be too forgiving, I think. They're not connecting those dots. It's they just, could. They could, but they're not so far. Mm-hmm. It's just that, on the one hand, they've written Lyle into into this world, and Karen is struggling with that. On the other hand, they've completely forgotten how to write Karen. Right. And so we're just sort of dealing with both of these at once, and perhaps it's just us looking to try and give her the benefit of the doubt, and we're like, oh, it's just because of this thing, and she's going through a change in her yeah. life. And, and I don't think that's what's happening. Probably not. I wish it was, because I think that's actually good characterization. I could totally see where, like, Karen is changing the way she interacts with her friends because of this new relationship and realizes, oh, no, I've compromised everything about myself mm-hmm. for and this man I'm not who doesn't anymore. care about me. Right. And it's, like, it's very interesting because the show has sort of hinted at, like, her doing that before. Uh, there was the episode a few weeks back where she tells Jack that they aren't going to be able to hang out as much anymore mm-hmm. now that she's married. And that would be a very easy through line. Right. So, like, it feels like they've accidentally set this up mm-hmm. without being prepared to, like, deliver... In the deliver, classic Will and Grace tradition. Deliver that, like, final punch. It sort of reminds me, we had this English teacher, Matthew and I, both mm-hmm. in high school, and the, and she would get very upset when someone, like, had written all the way up to a great, beautiful thesis, but then didn't deliver the, she called it the big fat so what. Yep. And that's what it feels like we're waiting for with Karen here. We're waiting for the why. We're waiting for the big fat so what. Like, mm-hmm. what is going on? And it feels like it could be so easy to be my identity crisis because of this upcoming marriage and blah, uh-huh. blah, 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 blah. But we're not getting that final, like... And there's literally no build-up to get it. Like, yeah. it feels very clear at the end of the episode that Karen's going to get in a fight with Lyle because Lyle is asking her to do things she's not comfortable with and either he's going to apologize and they're going to make it happen and they're going to get married. Or they won't get married, which... I could see going either way at this point. Um, I think we should... We've, we spent a lot of time on Karen this week. I want to talk about the other really structural issue with this episode, which is a little bit out of Will and Grace's power. It's the continuing absence of Grace, and in this particular case, what it does to Leo. Yes, so Grace is again absent from this episode because, as we've mentioned for the last few episodes, Deborah Messing is extremely pregnant. Right. So she she's not available for filming. And I they, they do... A, a fairly good job writing into the plot of this episode, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I can kind of see how they might have had a slightly different setup for it, assuming Deborah Messing was going to be there. But basically what we have is that Leo and Grace are coming to Vegas to, separately. It's going to be the first time seeing each other in six months mm-hmm. since Grace fled Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that most people flee Cambodia. Just in like a normal way. In a normal way. Like she left in an airport. First class. Um, and Will is going like above and beyond to make sure it's a good reunion. Yeah. I don't know why, because we've been watching the same thing he's been watching, and I don't know what would have given him the impression that they just want to make it work. You know... But whatever. Here's my take on it, and I say this with love. Sometimes, when you are a person and you have a gay best friend, Uh-oh. that gay best friend does shit, like tell you that you should stay with the person you're with, even though you kind of feel like you should break up with them, mm. but your gay best friend says... Oh, they're not that bad. I mean, sure. You invited them over to watch your favorite movie and they talked about their debate team in high school the whole time, but they're fine. And then three months later, they're having a panic attack in a Cole's dressing room and you realize you have to break up with them and that your gay best friend was wrong. So what I'm getting at is At least you didn't break up with them in the Cole's dressing room. Although it was tempting, but we did drive him there. That's true. The point being that sometimes I think when your own romantic life is starting to kind of look well, like we know that Will is dating 
Vince now, mm-hmm. and so things are kind of going well, and Vince and Grace like each other, so that's very exciting. So I could see Will wanting to force that happiness upon Grace, basically. Admittedly, that is basically the same thing that happened to us. Yes. yes. So that's disappointing for me, personally, but I'm going to take that off, um, off mic. Um, what ends up happening as a result of this is that Will and Leo have an episode together. Which, it is. as long-time listeners know, not the members of the Twitter mob assembled by Megan Mullally who are starting <laughs> with this episode. But as long-time listeners know, we always feel like that goes poorly. Will and Leo just don't have any chemistry together. They have none. It's not even like they have hate chemistry. Like, they just no. have nothing. There are people who you love to watch bicker, and that's not even the case with mm-hmm. them. Like, I think, honestly, watching some fucking wallpaper dry would have been much more interesting mm-hmm. than this. And so we have Will bending over backwards to try and prepare this romantic weekend, and then... Leo is just a disaster. Right. So Grace gets stuck in New York. Mm-hmm. She's First, she was coming to meet them later because she was doing... Building a sex swing for a member of The View. Not the one you think. Yep. But then she throws her back out, installing said sex swing, so she can't come to the wedding. And so then it's just Will and Leo. And Leo is a fucking disaster. Yeah, like, he's... First of all, I don't think Harry Connick Jr. is doing his best work in this episode, which no. is just sad. I kind of wondered if he was drunk, and that's why they made Leo drunk. <laughs> like, well... You know what, Harry, just improv it. You know, we'll make it work. It's fine. Yeah, so, like, Leo is, he's very weird. Uh, Karen offers to let him take her private jet and fly back to New York to see Grace. Uh Because the whole reason he was coming to the wedding was... To see Grace. And he's like, nah, I'm having a good time in Vegas. I went to a show. I'm drunk. And then shows up at the wedding drunk. And it's really uncomfortable to watch Will sort of try and make this less bad than it is. Yeah. Like, well, and even the show is trying to make it more or less bad than it is. Like, at the very end of the episode, there's, like, a climactic moment. Like, right as Karen is having her climactic moment, where drunk Leo is like, I kissed another woman in Cambodia. Well, he actually says, I kissed someone, which, you know. That could be a fun plot twist. It's not, but it could be. (laughs) But it's not. Um, It's like. I don't think the show really needed to go there. No. Like, I don't... Yeah. I I don't know what to think about this, because, like, I think I'm nervous about seeing my wife who fled Cambodia. I think that's enough of a reason to come to Vegas. Right. Act like a boorish asshole and get very drunk. And not go home to see my wife. And not wife. go home to see my wife. I would agree with you. I don't think the cheating plotline is necessary, and I think... I think the Will and Grace writers kind of inserted it because they want us to feel sorry for him because that's the way that, like, TV executives think. Like, oh, no, he feels bad because he cheated on Grace, which means he really loves her. It's like, no, it no, doesn't. No, it doesn't. People who cheat don't love their partners. That's, that's not what that means. That's, that's not what it means. I, I see how you think that's what that means, that's but it also means. means that they're thinking about themselves more than the other person. Here's the thing that I want to say. I think Matthew sort of and I were talking about this off mic, and Matthew went, well, it's like low-key cheating because he just kissed someone and i think that's what the executives want us to think yeah i i, I don't like that characterization of my position but I, <laughs> what i'm saying is that i feel like will and grace should have really gone for it and have him just like right. had a passionate if, night with someone if else he was going to cheat they could have made it sex they could have made it a romantic relationship mm-hmm. they could have made it a litany of things but to kind of cop out and make it like oh i kissed someone it's just like did they need that? Couldn't they have just been like, I'm nervous to see Grace because she fled the country we'd moved to together. Well, and, and, and I kiss someone else is such a cop out of an excuse because it's so ambiguous what that means. Like, right. are you in love with someone else? Right. Did you 
get feverish and think you were making out with Grace, but you were really making out with another person. Did you give someone what you thought was going to be a kiss on the cheek and miss? Did right. you make out with someone for six hours? Kissing is... Was it just lust? Was it just... Did you fall down on top of someone's mouth? Like, there are just so many options. You see, I'm, I'm in love with someone else or I fuck someone else are way less ambiguous. Yes. Unless you want to talk about what the definition of is is. Well, that's that's something, that is something totally different. I just mean like there are so many different ways that you could interpret I kissed someone and it feels like a really weird way for them to try and garner sympathy for Leo. Well, and like unnecessary like drama. Like, yeah. oh, what does it mean? Tune in next week to Will No, Grace it means product. their marriage is fucking over and we've all already known that for six months yeah. since she left goddamn Cambodia. I just, I find it hard to believe that Will and Grace viewers were like, yeah, this Harry Connick Jr. plotline. That's what I really wanted out of Grace. Like, <laughs> I feel like Harry Connick Jr. owes his continued existence on this show to the fact that Twitter wasn't invented. Yes. That's, like, <laughs> like that's I, the Harry thing. Connick Jr. seems like a nice gentleman. He's a nice man, probably. I, there's been no sexual misconduct reports about him. Yes. I don't know. I mean, that I, we know of. I'm not very familiar with Harry Connick Jr.'s personal life. I, I wasn't he a musician? Yeah, he's uh, he was on American Idol for a while too. Oh yeah, that's right, he was. But that's not the point. What so I'm saying is Ellen. that like, I find it hard to believe, uh, understanding that I'm watching this from a totally different temporal vantage point, that this was like, fans were like writing in saying, "Don't you dare break up, Je- you know, Grace and Harry Connick Jr. I really need my Grace and Leo fix." Like, I find it hard to believe. I just mean, this, to me, seems like if it were happening now, Twitter would be up in arms trying to ship Grace with probably Karen. Now, admittedly, I do think it's very realistic that Grace, as a character, would have this keep happening to her where she, like, can't realize that she should break up with this person. But I'm not watching Will and Grace for the gritty realism. No, I am watching it for the kooky best friends. Right. And, you know, Karen sometimes. She's, yeah. she's drunk. It's funny. She takes pills. Ha ha. Drug addiction's Maybe hilarious. Maybe she's been sober. Maybe that's why she's so mean. Oh my god. That's a brilliant interpretation. She's she, had to share her pills with Lyle. She's she's, she's tapering. her stash. She's tapering she's off. She's in withdrawal. It makes so much sense. I All right, guys. We cracked it. We cracked it. Well, now that I have this new understanding of the episode, I think <laughs> I'm really going to enjoy the finale. Yeah. So uh, tune in next time. Which will be next week. Yeah, we are uh, we are excited to see the finale. This has yeah. been a very interesting season of Will and Grace, I think. It has been, and it also comes with a lot of emotions for us mm-hmm. as podcasters, because it will be our last episode that we will record living in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we have, I think, alluded to but not explicitly said, Tess and I are moving to almost Will and Grace land. Philadelphia. Which they have never shown in an episode of Will and Grace, but I think they have made disparaging mention of once or twice. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so we'll be in Disparaging Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very excited about our move. Um, and I think we'll have more details about what our move entails for you, loyal listeners and members of Megan Mullally's Twitter mob. Um, <laughs> next week. Yeah, very soon. So thank you for listening. And if you are a part of the Twitter mob, you already know that you can find us on Twitter. You can find us at Not A Couple Show. Um, we're also on Facebook if, and Tumblr if you're not into Twitter. Um, and then, you know, you're listening to this episode, you're thinking, Jesus, how am I doing that? Well, let me tell you, you're on one of three places. You're either on Podbean, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget, if you want to send us a longer message, the best way to do that is to do it through email. Contact us at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. Unless you're part of the Twitter mom. 
Yeah, then you gotta stay on Twitter. That's yeah. that's the that's rules. The number one and only rule of Twitter mob. If you're gonna be a Twitter mob, you gotta stick to Twitter. Like, sorry, them's the breaks. If you wanna be a regular mob, then anything is fair game. But we are gonna call the police. If you wanna be a regular mob, we totally lied about the Philadelphia thing. <laughs> it's not real. We're staying in Milwaukee. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. We will be back for the second half of the finale of season six of Will and Grace. Yeah. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Hi, Eliza. Make sure to pack your suitcase. This episode of Not a Couple was sponsored by The Meeting of Ears. It is what it is, and it is what it isn't, and it isn't what it is, and it is what it is, what it isn't, is, 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 is. Bill Clinton.